Everything can be taken from a person but one thing, the last of human freedoms, to choose one's attitude in any given set of circumstances, to choose one's way. And then he says, when we are no longer able to change a situation, we are challenged to change ourselves. This is the Next Peak Podcast, where we help you redefine success and achieve goals that are actually important to you based on research and real life stories. I am one of the hosts, Clint Herndon, and I'm joined by my good friend, Dr. Parker Houston. We try to bring you topics that will challenge you to grow, challenge you to think, and challenge you to move on to the things that are most important to you. Today, we've got one that Dr. Houston has put together, and it's something we probably all need to learn in that our mindset can change so much in our lives. It's probably one of the hardest skills to learn to change our mindset, but we're going to dive right into it. And Parker, how are you today? I am doing great. We just recorded another episode, and so we went from lighthearted to heavy and intense. So I'm just gearing myself up for that because it's a heavy story. Yeah, this one's uh, this one's good. It's going to definitely open some eyes and make people kind of question, because it is one of the lifelong questions. I don't want to spoil it, but I'll bring that lifelong question up during our uh, discussion. Great. Yeah, today we're going to be talking about suffering and finding value in suffering, which is a tough topic to discuss depending on the type of suffering that you've been through. I just want to acknowledge they're all different kinds. Often they feel at the time like they don't have meaning, but we're going to be talking about some people that have been through some incredible suffering and come out the other side of it with incredible transformation and lots of learning. So we're going to try to tackle this very difficult subject. But before I say that, let me just say that as a leader, how you respond to suffering, how you help your team navigate suffering or really hard seasons, how you help team members walk through devastating times in their life, these are really essential parts of leadership. People like Winston Churchill, people like Martin Luther King, I mean, these were leaders that really knew how to walk through times of suffering. And people looked to them for guidance, for hope, for some kind of way to sustain them. And if you're a leader, you can do this in your own life and you can help your team and your family. They're going to look to you. So it's important that you have some of these tools in your toolbox that we're going to talk about today. And there's some great psychological research too that goes even beyond today's topic on resilience and post-traumatic growth that shows kind of ways that you can change your mindset to really increase the odds that you can get through tragedy and get through difficult times in your life or suffering in your life and come out of it having been transformed by it instead of crushed by it. So with that said, Let me start with Viktor Frankl. Some of you might be familiar with his famous book, Man's Search for Meaning, but there are a few people 
on the planet that are more qualified to speak on the topic of suffering than Dr. Viktor Frankl. He was an Austrian psychiatrist, neurologist, and an author. He lived from 1905 to 1977. His most famous seminal book is Man's Search for Meaning, and it is ranked by the Library of Congress as one of the top 10 most influential books in U.S. history. It sold more than 10 million copies. So if you haven't read this, I would encourage you to go on Amazon and buy it right away or go buy it or get it from the library because your education as a human being is not complete until you read his book, truly. So let me tell you a little bit about Viktor Frankl. At 37, he had just lost his first child during his wife's pregnancy. So an absolutely devastating blow for him. And right after that, he was imprisoned in a Nazi concentration camp. I can't pronounce it. Theresienstadt. I should have practiced that before the episode. So I've totally butchered that here. He was imprisoned there in the concentration camp along with his entire family. So just imagine you lose this child during pregnancy, your dreams are being crushed, and then you're imprisoned in a concentration camp. During his time in the camps, he witnessed some of the worst things that a person can ever see in terms of trauma and torture, you can imagine. And he talks about it in his book. And although the hope of seeing his family again was what really sustained him during the time in his in the camps his wife his parents and his brother all died during the time that he was in the concentration camp so just an absolutely devastating crushing blow for anybody i just cannot even wrap my head around it it's so tragic his experience is so far from our comfortable lives it's hard to even imagine so Perhaps what is even more surprising is how he went on to shape his entire life towards healing and inspiring people and writing books and and becoming a psychiatrist and dealing with other people that were experiencing the most extreme forms of mental and emotional suffering ever. He devoted his entire life to that. So one of his quotes from the book that is just rocks me to my absolute core of my soul, he says, what is to give light must endure burning. Can you believe that? It's a beautiful way of describing it, but gosh, he really went through some sincere burning during his time in the concentration camps. Yeah. And I think that, um, this is such a tough subject because most of us, I'd say at least in the Western world, will never live through what Frankel lived through. And so it, it might be hard to wrap our brains around that suffering, but I guess the the thing that amazes me is that despite going through that, he still kept this mindset of trying to find meaning and trying to find purpose. I guess we'll, we'll dig into it a little bit more, but, and that's where the lifelong question that I hinted at comes from <clears throat> is that people will ask a lot of times, especially it's a big hurdle of people not wanting to have a faith or not engage in faith is why does bad stuff happen? Why is bad stuff happening to me? Why is bad stuff happening to my family? And I'm not sure that anybody actually has the the true honest answer to to that because we can't see the whole story and how it plays out. But to watch a man go through something so horrible, really make his life mission about reaching people and inspiring people to change and 
the whole, I've been to the Museum of Tolerance and that was really largely built on his idea of, of getting people to, to engage in change and accept people for who they are and those kinds of things. But I don't know, it's such an incredible story. His book is really incredible. Where is the Museum of Tolerance? I've never heard of that. It's in Los Angeles. So when I worked for the police department, they sent us down there as part of our leadership training and we spent, spent a day touring and yeah, it's pretty impactful. You just see how, how people have been persecuted. And mo- there's a, a huge section on the Jews and how they were persecuted, you know, by the Nazis and things, but there's folks that are, are highlighted there as well, the civil rights movement and that type of stuff. So really fascinating if you haven't been it i don't know if you'd want to do that on a disneyland trip if you're going to probably do disneyland after the trip to the museum of tolerance it's pretty heavy and and this subject is because we all suffer at some point unfortunately it's in, in different degrees but i think it's incredibly impactful to learn from frankel who went through probably the worst of the worst and still came out with this mindset and positivity and forgiveness yeah. And I have to say too, Frankel has touched my life because this was one of the first psychology books I ever read in undergraduate, which helped me make my decision to go on to graduate school. I thought I've got to devote my life to this. So Frankel went on after his experience in the concentration camps, he went on to found and pioneer and create something called logotherapy, which essentially means it literally means healing through meaning making. He's got some incredible quotes. It's like every sentence is an amazing quote in the book, but his logotherapy and existential therapy is really what got me into psychology in the first place and made me decide to go to graduate school. And Clint, you had some quotes in here that really touched you personally. So why don't you share those? Yeah, this one blew my socks off. It it just sums up what Frankl's about, but he says, in some ways, when suffering finds its meaning, it ceases to be suffering. Everything can be taken from a person, but one thing, the last of human freedoms, to choose one's attitude in any given set of circumstances, to choose one's way. Let me repeat that part. To choose one's attitude in any given set of circumstances, to choose one's way. And then he says, when we are no longer able to change a situation, we are challenged to change ourselves. And that, gosh, there's so many points in my life that I could look at that and go, gosh, maybe I won that mind battle, but I lost probably a lot of them or I got stuck in the situation. And I'm currently in a situation that we've talked about. If I could show it on video, if we had our, our podcast on video, you guys would be able to see this disgusting bruising down my arm. Uh, this pretty week. horrific. Yeah. I can vouch for you. Yeah, it's pretty nasty. I'm trying to take care of my body like I do. Uh, I'm training for a marathon and I decided to to get some weight training in because it's just trying to keep my upper body healthy as well. So doing the right things, I was all warmed up, primed and ready to go. Probably about a half hour into my workout and I, I tore a tendon uh, in my chest, tore pectoral muscle and the tendon right off the bone. And so my marathon training has halted. I'm about four weeks out from the marathon at this point. And I'll be undergoing some surgery. The amazing thing has been that I've been through enough tough circumstances and know I can't change them. And so I just committed to just saying, okay, let's figure this out. What's the next thing? What's the, either what's the positive that's going to come out of this or 
even if I can't keep my eyes on that, it's just, okay, that's the situation. So let's move on. I'm not going to let this ruin the rest of my year. Got some great things planned with my family and those aren't going to change. Even if I'm hanging out in a sling one arm for the next six weeks. But yeah, that's my current situation. And, uh, and this is good time me to go through that. So you and I are wired a little bit the same. We're pretty driven. When we have a goal in mind, we can get pretty impatient or pretty frustrated when things aren't tracking on the timeline that we had wanted them to. And so I just want to give kudos to you and tell people like I've known you for 10 or 15 years now and your personality, your approach to life has changed because here you're facing an injury, which really, which really stinks to have this torn part surgery. It sets your whole time, it throws your entire timeline off. You could just as easily be embittered and angry and frustrated and put all your energy into that. But I see a real change in you and your response to life situations. Um, And I just, I want to encourage you and just say, I'm observing noticeable changes in your responses and personality really changing in how you respond to these life situations. I think it's incredible. And it also should give hope to our listeners that if you're the kind of person that doesn't respond well to, you know, negative situations in life, whatever it is, how do you get better? Maybe I'll just pose that question to you. I heard somebody tell me when I was early on in faith that, that God will keep repeating circumstances until you learn from them. <laughs> so I, I don't know that I could, re- could point to a Bible verse and say that's true, but I'd say from experience, it, it tends to be. And I've had enough bruises and, and injuries and things like that to, to uh, get down. I remember blowing out my ankle and I was like devastated because I wasn't going to be able to play basketball for six months or whatever. And I don't know, this is just different. And I, I think, to be honest, I got to the ER when this injury occurred. I knew it was bad. It was immediately swole up and it hurt like crazy and I couldn't use my arm. But it immediately put it in perspective when I got in the ER because we're still fighting COVID. And I walk in the ER and there's people that are like basically on their deathbed and other people that are seeking pain medications, probably not because they really needed them, but because they're addicted to them. And I just looked around at my situation and I was just kind of, I'm healthy. <laughs> I was doing something to, to, I had the ability to go and lift weights in a gym, which is a first world problem to begin with. And I'm healthy enough to go in there and do that and know that my body can do it. And for whatever reason, I have no idea why this injury happens. I, and, but I don't know, it just put it in perspective for me. Like I'm not dying. I, this thing will heal. It's fine. It's not going to be the same, but it's fine. I'm 45 years old. I'm not going to play any professional sports that I know of. It's going to get me through life just fine. So I I don't know. There's just no reason to sulk on it. Yeah. I'm admiring your response to this since it just happened a couple of days ago. And I've been somebody for most of my life who responds with extreme irritation, frustration, impatience, hurry, agitation, restlessness, whenever something happens that's not something that's in my plan. And I'm slowly, I've been in a season for the last couple of years where I'm slowly letting go of that. I feel like God's really teaching me to just let go of that and be much more accepting and be looking at what I can learn from it. That's easy to say um, in an injury, it's much tougher to say in, in situations of extreme 
trauma or loss. But many of my mentors have said you get better with practice. So it's good to practice in the injuries and practice in the small losses and frustrations so that you can get better at respond, training ourselves to have the habit of responding this way. So let's go into here's how do you train yourself to become this way? We've got a few action steps and tips for you here that I think will help. So number one, you do not want to be in denial. Clint and I say many times, we don't want to tell you to suppress your emotions or deny what's going on. So number one is you definitely want to allow time. You want to allow your reaction. You want to allow grief. You want to allow raw emotion to come up, whether that be through journaling or a close friend or just you want to be real about your emotional state. So do not take what we're saying as a way to be Pollyanna or rose-colored glasses or shove down your emotions because we talk a lot about mind-body conditions. I just, in fact, attended the largest uh, mind-body conference called the Psychophysiologic Disorders Association Conference, largest one in history last week. You do not misunderstand us that we're saying to suppress or shove down your emotions because they'll come out in physical symptoms. Your brain and your body will let you know, I don't like it when you ignore your my emotions. So yeah, journal or good friend. Make sure you allow time um, for raw emotions. Sometimes it takes quite a long time for us to get the right perspective on our, a season of suffering that we've been through. And, and even in my situation now, I have taken some time to be honest because I, this would have been my first marathon. I'm, I've been a runner since I was like 13, but it had always been my goal to do a marathon. I just never made time. And so this was the first time I actually did. I'm three months into my training and I'm dialed in my times, my splits were on for my goal. But not only that, it's something that Annalisa and I have been doing together. And so even if we're not doing every run together, we had a common goal. We were doing a lot of training runs together and prepping for this. And if I had to grieve, if I had to acknowledge grief in any area, it's that I'm not going to be able to do the goal that I wanted to. And now I don't have this thing that I'm doing with my wife. So now I'll support her and do that. But it's a goofiest thing. And I don't know why my brain is, is latching onto that, but that's the thing I'm grieving the most. <laughs> now, oh my gosh, I'm going under the knife and I'm going to have six months recovery and all that stuff. It's dang it. I had this goal. I had this thing. But I just, I'm being okay with that. And I don't know, I'm in process still. It's still, like you said, it's only four or five days out, but that's the thing that seems to be uh, sticking with me right now. Yeah. And number two, just to go back to Viktor Frankl, number two is make sure you look for possible meaning in what you're going through. You may not want to do that super early on if you're going through an extreme trauma but we are wired to make meaning. Like our brains need to make meaning of things. And Frankel figured this out. So take the time to write down your thoughts or the trials in your life to either pray through it, sit quietly and reflect. A glimpse of meaning is really what where the birthplace of hope is. So take a page out of Frankel and actually look back at some of these things you've been through and what they taught you or the resilience or courage or strength that they drew out of you because it helps to make sense of them after the fact. Yeah, I think that's a really important step too. And in, in this, obviously you've got the psychology experience, but I'll, I'll tell you this, there's a lot of people that will try to subscribe meaning to your situation for you. And they're well-meaning. They're trying to do it out of a kind place and to help you grieve and, and to help you heal. But really 
it's something that you have to unpack for yourself. And, and none of that stuff will make sense coming from other people until you sit down and go, okay, what really happened? You know, what's the meaning or what's the purpose that can come out of this? And, and you might not come away with an answer, but I think it's an important step in the healing process. Yes, most definitely. And number three, the third thing we've got here in terms of action steps is here's a good question for you. Is life or if you're a person of faith, is God asking you to change something about yourself? Because in general, first thing we learned in graduate school is people often don't change without pain. The pain has to get so bad that people come to therapy. So that's generally the way we function as human beings is we have to have a pain stimulus that says, gosh, I got to do something different here. And I hate character lessons. I hate them. But we don't grow during seasons of life often when we're on easy street and things are really easy. We're shaped by the things that the seasons in life most of the time that are really hard. So Frankel said this, he said, when we cannot change a situation, we are finally challenged to change ourselves. And he really nailed it and figured this out a long time ago. So there might be no greater real tragedy in all of life than people who just spend their entire lives refusing to change when life or God is really trying to guide them to a different inner state of being. And they just say, I'm digging my heels in, man. I'm not going to, I'm not going to change. And that is really the real tragedy when you see people that just are absolutely unwilling. They keep trying to fight this change and fighting with life, fighting with God. And it's a very sad thing to say because it. I've been there, I've done that, and it. boy, does it not work out. Number four is, this comes from Henry Nouwen, who's one of my great heroes, spend time around suffering. So he said that if we eliminate all suffering, he said, our society is really great at hiding from death. We bury people in the ground. We do these little funerals. We cremate them. We hide the body. It's not like a lot of rural cultures where you see the body, you're around people that are dying. We even put people in hospice care and like facilities or mentally ill people. We take them and lock them up in institutions where we used to. And he makes the point that we hide suffering in these nooks and crannies and dark corners of our society so that we're able to actually live this life not really thinking about it a lot of the time until we have an auto accident or a medical problem or lose a relative. And then suffering comes crashing into our life and reminds us that it's always been there. But we're good. Our society is very good at hiding it, especially here in the West where we're very fortunate. Yeah. I'll share a story. When I was in Africa, gosh, this was. 17 years ago now, we visited a village and uh, it wasn't a village. It was a town, I'd say, a pretty good sized town. But they were having like seven funerals a week in this town because the AIDS epidemic was so bad in this area. And the thing that amazed me about it was the town had, they understood the grief cycle and they, but they also understood how to recover from it and, and live. And you would go in and there'd be a funeral and they'd be all sad and everybody'd be weeping. But then a couple of days later, everybody's running around just, you know, happy and enjoying life. And it wasn't because they forgot the person who died. It was because they, they started to understand su- the importance of suffering, but the importance of going on and living and not just getting stuck in this cycle of grief all the time versus you alluded to it in the Western world. We're devastated when we lose somebody and we should be because we're going to lose that opportunity to have a relationship with somebody we love. 
but, but, but they've gotten uh, probably out of their control, they've gotten in almost in a habit of understanding death and understanding that it's just part of life. And then you've got to enjoy the time that you have here on earth because it happens so often in their town. Wow. Here's our last one, guys, and we'll draw this episode to a close. I can't remember where I got this idea, but I had read that fasting is a great way to, it might seem like a strange way to end this episode, but many great spiritual traditions and teachers have recommended fasting as a way to induce, like intentionally induce a small amount of suffering, whether you intentionally restrict food or if you uh, restrain yourself from social media, or I know people that say, I'm not watching any screens or any TV for a month. It's a way to see how your body, your mind, and your spirit reacts to suffering and reminds you that there are people that maybe when you're hungry, if you're fasting from food, you're reminded that there are people that are starving and don't have food. When you fast from entertainment, you think, gosh, there are people that don't have access to any movies. And it's a great way to existentially and spiritually remind yourself that there's suffering all around us at all times. And it's a great way to remind ourselves that it's not having everything we need at all times is generally not a good way to live. So I like that recommendation of fasting. And I think that's a good conclusion to our episode. Clint, do you have any final? Uh, closing thoughts for our audience members? No, I don't think I do. I think this is a pretty tough subject, but I think it's a really important one to understand because it does happen in life. We can't get away from struggle or from things happening to us or around us. And I think it's important that we learn how to deal with the tough parts of life and not just focus on the great times and when everything's wonderful and and 100% because that's really not reality. Right. It's good to be in the moment and just enjoy the good times when they happen and just be there when, who do you want to be during the times of suffering? Yeah. Yeah. So thanks for tuning in today. We appreciate you listening to the end. I know this was a little bit tougher or a little more solemn subject than we normally talk about, but we'd love to get your feedback. So if you want to find us on social media, you can find us at Next Peak Podcast. We're on Instagram, Facebook, and on LinkedIn. Uh, we'd love to get your feedback. And you can also find some interesting posts that we we throw up there that aren't always related to our episodes. Uh, and if you want to catch up with Parker, you can find him at leadyoufirst.com. Until next week, keep climbing your next peak.